A reading from Micah chapter 7, beginning at verse 8. Rejoice not over me, my enemy. When I fall, I shall rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him until he pleads my cause and executes judgment for me. He will bring me out to the light. I shall look upon his vindication. Then my enemy will see and shame will cover her who said to me, Where is the Lord your God? My eyes will look upon her. Now she will be trampled down like the mire of the streets. A day for the building of your walls. In that day the boundary shall be far extended. In that day they will come to you from Assyria and the cities of Egypt, and from Egypt to the river, from sea to sea, and from mountain to mountain. But the earth will be desolate because of its inhabitants, for the fruit of their deeds. Shepherd your people with your staff, the flock of your inheritance, who dwell alone in a forest, in the midst of a garden land. Let them graze in Bashan and Gilead, as in the days of old, as in the days when you came out of the land of Egypt. I will show them marvelous things. The nations shall see and be ashamed of all their might. They shall lay their hands on their mouths. Their ears shall be deaf. They shall lick the dust like a serpent, like the crawling things of the earth. They shall come trembling out of their strongholds. They shall turn in dread to the Lord our God, and they shall be in fear of you. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. You will show faithfulness to Jacob and steadfast love to Abraham as you have sworn to our fathers from the days of old. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. In many and various ways, God spoke to his people of old by the prophets. But now, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I have two things to say to you tonight to wrap up this study in the book of Micah. Two things. The first one is this. When you get in trouble, it is best to get in trouble with your dad, who loves you. When you get in trouble, it's best to get in trouble with your dad, who loves you. And number two is this. Your heavenly Father delights in forgiveness. Your heavenly Father delights in forgiveness. So first of all, when you get in trouble, it's best to get in trouble with your dad. I think this is kind of common wisdom. You can picture the scenario... Some kid gets himself into a bind. He's done something terrible. He took the car out and he crashed the car. And the police have showed up and the guy he ran into is going to cause him all kinds of trouble. Where's your insurance? Show me your driver's license. I'm going to take down your information. He's in a world of hurt. It's a mess. And there's all kinds of people that he could find himself in trouble with. There's that grumpy man whose car he dinged up pretty good. There's the police officer who wonders why you were driving that fast on that road. But the kid has this great reassurance, this great hope, that if he calls his dad who loves him, if he calls his dad who loves him, yes, there will be some consequences. 
Yes, your dad is going to discipline you. Yes, you're going to suffer. But your dad loves you. And that means in the face of everyone who is going to accuse you and try to cause you trouble, he is going to be the one who is pleading your cause. He's going to be the one who says, you have to go through me to get to my kid. Yes, you have to pay some damages. Yes, you have to pay for what you've done, but you're defended by someone who loves you. That is a wonderful and joyous thing for anyone who knows what the world is like. Because if you have to plead your cause, if you have to make your case before people who do not love you, people who are angry or wrathful or vengeful, they have no mercy. They do not delight one bit in forgiveness. That man whose car you dinged up, he wants to exact from you every last penny and probably more. He wants his pound of flesh. The world is merciless. But a father is full of mercy because he loves his child and he knows that while his child needs discipline, what his child needs most of all is life and hope and a future. And that's what a father gives to a child. This is what our Heavenly Father gives to us as well. So we can run in the world and run into all kinds of trouble. Take, for instance, the people of Israel. Here they are in the land, inheriting God's promises, and they turn away from God. And so he sends them these foreign armies, the Assyrians and then later the Babylonians, to conquer them and to pull them away into exile. Now, if that was it, if it was just the Assyrians by their own might and the Babylonians by their own might, if God had cut loose the strings and said, I'm not having anything to do with them anymore, you deal with them. If he said that to the Assyrians and Babylonians, it would have been the end because they were merciless. There would have been no hope for Israel. They could have pleaded and pleaded. They could have been desperate. They could have fallen on their knees and begged, and it would have been to no avail because the Assyrians and Babylonians did not love them. But their Heavenly Father did. God, who sent the Assyrians and the Babylonians, he loved them. So they found themselves in trouble. Now, it seemed at face value as though they were in trouble with these foreign nations, but that wasn't it at all. They were in trouble with their Heavenly Father, and that was good. It was good that it was their Heavenly Father who was holding them to account. It was good that it was their Heavenly Father who was disciplining them and not anyone else because their Father loved them. And his reason for discipline was not to destroy them, but to restore them. Remember what he said. He said, I'm sending you into a foreign land. Why? So that I can rescue you. So that I can redeem you. That's what a loving father does. When he lets the trouble arrive, when he lets the pain be felt, when he causes some suffering of his own, it's because he wants to rescue and redeem. It's because he wants to save from sin and wickedness. It's because he wants to teach righteousness. Now, it's very easy for us to take our case to the world to try to plead our cause before the world and to ignore our Heavenly Father and think, I'm going to manage this on my own, like some kid on a playground facing a bully thinking, I can take this guy. When in fact, if it's just you and that kid who's twice your size, you're done for. But if you call your dad, if you call your dad, you're going to be okay. Yes, you might get in trouble for having called him some awful names. Yes, you might get in trouble for playing where you shouldn't have played, but your Heavenly Father loves you. He loves you. And so when you get in trouble with him, it is for your good. His discipline is for your good. That's because most of all, above all else, your Heavenly Father delights in forgiveness. Think about those words. This is what Micah said. It's an astounding thing. Who is a God like you? 
What a question that is. Who is a God like you? There is no other God in the world like our Heavenly Father. All other gods are merciless. Merciless. They hold your feet to the fire and they never show you any compassion. But our God, what is his first characteristic? Pardoning iniquity. Passing over transgressions. He does not hold on to his anger forever, but he delights in steadfast love. Think about what you delight in, the kinds of things that make you beam from ear to ear, the things that make you grin and smile, that joy enters into your heart on account of. Think about those kinds of things. What are they? They're probably wonderful things. Family, friends, time spent doing things that you enjoy, good weather, health, all kinds of delightful things, good food, things that make this life joyous. What is it that delights our Heavenly Father? steadfast love. That is, faithfulness to his promises. What makes God happier beyond anything else is when he makes a promise and then he gets to keep it. We don't often think about promises that way. We don't think about the joy in keeping a promise. In fact, the main time that we think about promises and keeping them is often when we don't want to keep them. (laughs) So we're kind of digging in our heels. Ah, shoot, I made this promise. I've got to keep it. That's not how it is with our Heavenly Father whatsoever. He says, I made this promise and now I get to keep it. That's what it means for him to delight in steadfast love, for him to delight in covenant faithfulness. It means that when the opportunity arises for him to finally do what he said he would do, he is so joyous. He is full of joy beyond measure. This is the picture for Christmas. So you know the story. The shepherds are out in the field and they're keeping keeping their watch over their flocks by night and all of a sudden, out of the blue, the heavenly host appear. Why is it that the angel comes and then a whole company of heavenly hosts singing and praising God? Why are they there with such loud noise and such joy? It's because they're messengers of your heavenly Father who is full of joy beyond measure that now, at last, he is keeping the promise that he made. He delights in steadfast love. He delights in forgiveness and mercy. Now, that does not mean that he delights in sin. You could hear that wrongly. You could hear it and think, well, if God loves mercy so much, loves showing mercy so much, it must mean that he also loves it when I do sinful things so that he can show me more mercy. That's not it at all. Think instead about how it goes for a doctor who is not happy about sickness. He does not enjoy seeing his patients suffer. He doesn't like giving a dreadful diagnosis. But what makes a doctor happier than having the cure? Than being able to dispense what is needed to remedy the sickness. That's what makes a doctor happy. That's what makes your heavenly father happy. It's, it's not that you've sinned. It's not that you've fallen short of his glory, but it's that he has exactly what you need in order to be restored, in order to be made whole, in order to be brought close to him. Because the point of God's mercy, the point of his forgiveness, his delight in his steadfast love is not some sort of a flex. It's not like God is in the heavens saying, watch, look, just see how merciful I am. What a wonderful thing it is that I'm so merciful. It's not about him whatsoever. The whole point of mercy, the whole point of forgiveness, the whole point of God's covenant faithfulness and his steadfast love is that you and I, who wandered far away from God, would be brought back close to him. Why does God delight in mercy? Why does he delight in steadfast love? It's the same reason why a loving father delights in saving his son and his child from whatever trouble he's got into. It's because he loves his child. Your heavenly father loves you. And so when he gets to keep his promises, when he gets to show you steadfast love and faithfulness, when he gets to forgive your sins and pour out his mercy in abundance, it's the most joyous thing to him. 
Because it means that he gets you. And he's after you. You're what he wants above all else. That's why his invitation is so lavish. That's why he puts up with so much garbage on our part. That's why he's so patient with us. Because he wants us. He wants to be close to us. He wants to love us. He wants us to be blessed by him in every way. That's the marvel of Christmas. That's why the angels are so excited at Christmas. That's why they burst forth. It's like, it's like the sky splits open and the heavens come pouring out because God is rejoicing. He's singing behind all of those angels louder than you can imagine because finally, at long last, at long last, the fullness of time has come. And he sends forth his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem you, to save you from sin and death and from the devil, and to bring you safely into his kingdom. So prepare your hearts. Just a few days from now, just a few days now, we're going to sing with the angels. Prepare your hearts to sing with joy. Rejoice with God's joy in his steadfast love. Rejoice in his faithfulness. Rejoice in his mercy. And rejoice that he loves you so. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.